Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Hey guys, welcome back to Storytime Podcast. I am your host, Haley Lira, and today I have a really good story. Something that totally fascinates me is when somebody betrays their best friend or their spouse or both or everybody. Here we go. Thank you so much for tuning into Storytime Podcast. This is something that I just do for fun. It's a hobby that I just enjoy. I really enjoy true crime and I'm so thankful for you tuning in with me and don't forget to leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I know honesty is always the best policy, but five stars sounds pretty honest. And then don't forget to go to my Facebook page, Storytime Slayer. That's where I post all the deets and the juice and the tea to go with these episodes. Plus, I have a giveaway coming up. I already made my first post about it, so definitely go check that out. Tell everybody to go give it a like and a follow so they can be part of that giveaway. All right, let's get started. Brad McGarry had been found dead with two gunshot wounds to the back of his head. He was discovered by his best friend, David Kinney, who'd come to Brad's house with his stepdaughter and wife, Sherry. David had been a longtime friend of Brad's, like best friends. His kids called Brad Uncle Brad. David said his stepdaughter first knocked on the door, the front door, and there was no answer. So he's like, okay, go around to the side door, the basement door. Ugh, I wish we had basements here where I live. Um, She goes around, knocks on the basement door. Uncle Brad's not answering. So together they decide, you know what, we'll just go to the back door. He goes with her, and when they get to the back door, it's actually open. Once David and his stepdaughter and his wife, Sherry, all together go inside Brad's home, it's a total mess. It was obvious something was not right. It was completely ransacked. Um, David told Sherry and his stepdaughter just to wait upstairs. He was going to go look downstairs in the basement. And unfortunately in the basement is where David found his best friend shot dead. And he yelled, call 911, call 911. So this is when Sherry calls 911. It is May 17th, 2007 at around 6.15 PM. The family was completely heartbroken. Brad was a really close family friend um, and one of David's best friends. They were told by dispatch just to leave the home and wait for police outside. Officers arrive at the scene and David and his family are completely devastated and distraught. Like it's obvious. They tell the officers everything that I said leading up to the discovery how the family did holidays together, family vacations. They were not just acquaintances. Like they'd been best friends eight, nine years. And they even had a trip coming up to the Bahamas in August, which was only three months away. Brad's described as a really kind hearted teddy bear kind of guy. He was warm, fuzzy, cheerful, and just like a really great guy to be around. Initially, it looked like a possible robbery gone wrong or potentially a suicide. The suicide theory was ruled out relatively quickly because um, they actually show police officer footage of the officers working the crime scene on a show called Murdered Tapes. You can find that on Amazon Prime. I'm sure it's on other places too. But the officer said sometimes in a suicide that the victim will actually fall on top of the gun. Now, I never thought of that. However, there was no gun under, near, or in the vicinity of Brad. So next is working the crime scene, knowing that this is not a suicide. This was, in fact, a homicide. 
The kitchen and living room were totally ransacked, but as they looked further at the crime scene, it occurred to them like it was jumbled around and slightly messed up, but nothing of value had actually been taken. Um, and there was a lot of valuables sitting around that no robber or thief would just leave behind. I'm going to post photos of the crime scene and... Um, all through the home, kitchen, living room, bedroom, cabinets and drawers are pulled out. Everything looks as if it's been fumbled in the drawers. Things are thrown around in every room, which to be fair, Brad was sort of a collector of things, more Southern antiques. One of the officers said it was like the type of stuff you'd find at a Cracker Barrel. And some might suggest he was a bit overboard on the amount of things he'd collect. Just go check out the pictures. So it was a very easy home to make look messy and ransacked, but it also had a lot of small valuables in it. Further investigation, they could clearly see the crime scene was becoming more and more staged to them. In an episode of Snap, Detective Alar said, the more and more we get into this, the more and more it looks like a prop left for us to throw us off the trail. This was the most staged crime scene I've ever seen in my life. Whoever staged this scene killed Brad McGarry. I mean, there was literally cash, not much, but still cash on the floor, a big bag of change, medication, several iPhones, a package of brand new cameras had just come in, still in the damn package. And he, I mean, he had like big, nice televisions, um, lots of big and small things that a robber would want if robbery was the motive. So we're kind of at a dead end here. We got no suspect or motive. Um, police are canvassing the neighborhood and they actually got a really lucky break. The best kind. Brad's neighbor had a surveillance camera and it was um, a very daunting and consuming task. But they could at the very least create a timeline of Brad getting home. Maybe catch their suspect in the meantime. Close that cars that had come and gone do they recognize any and they were also going to question sherry and david kenny to find out anything they can about what had been going on in brad's life any clues um, any persons of interest so what they relayed to police officers was that brad was in fact a gay man and he'd been in a relationship with a man named scotty that had cooled off as David worded it. Um, it seemed to be a normal relationship that broke up just because of typical bickering and fighting. But other than that, there really wasn't much going on in Brad's life. Anyone relayed to explain how he could be ended up shot in his home dead. On the show, The Murder Tapes, an investigator said Brad looked him in the eyes and he had been totally grief stricken said that Brad was his best friend in the world and to catch whoever did this the Kinney family was grieving hard Brad was such a loved man now the autopsy report came back the next day and it said that Brad was shot two times in the back of the head with a 22 caliber handgun at a slightly downward angle so we have a weapon but no motive and no suspect they start canvassing his friends and family for more information. First person they spoke to said that Brad wore some really nice jewelry and he liked to go out and drink and go to bars and stuff. So she couldn't think of anyone she knew that would do this to Brad. So she thought maybe it was a random attack. 
Police circle back to this theory and take another look at the home. All they find is more reasons as to why the robbery was staged because for one, they found more valuables. And for two, they noticed less and less of the drawers were truly rummaged through. Three, almost all the drawers were pulled out to the exact same distance. <laughs> like someone was walking, not even paying attention to what they were doing. So the robbery theory still seemed unlikely and they keep talking to friends and family digging further and further to try and find like Brad's ex along with any other suspects or information. They eventually find his ex, Scott. Scott was in jail in another state for a parole violation and Scott was tore up when he found out that Brad had died. They immediately cleared him because he had an alibi that checked out. He was no longer a person of interest and that left them back at ground zero. But they caught a really good break when they actually interviewed a long, long time friend of Brad's. I'm not sure what his name was, but they met at a bar between mutual friends and they just hit it off immediately and had been friends ever since 12 years. They spoke regularly and had a lot of personal information that they exchanged before it between each other. So I'm guessing they were like really good confidants. Um, and this dude said that he had information about Brad that the investigators might find useful. See, Brad had a boyfriend named DJ whom he'd met in the coal mine years before. And they had like a super hot and cold relationship that was actually a secret. And it was a secret because for one, DJ was in the closet. He was still hiding the fact that he was a homosexual. And two, DJ was married and his wife had no idea that he was gay. So as if any of this wasn't crazy enough, DJ's real name is David Kinney. David motherfucking Kinney. His BFF. Apparently, Brad had sort of had it with the way David treated him. And that he saved everything on his phone and he was going to expose David, DJ, whatever he wants to go by. And he told his longtime best friend and lover that he was going to do this, as well as the gentleman who was interviewing with police. And, and the good friend who was interviewing with police was like, dude, I tried to tell him, like, this guy is married. But Brad did not care because he was tired of David Kinney always coming back for more, always stringing him along, and always using him. So the police were shocked. I mean, they clearly had a motive and a suspect. Now, the next thing they had to do was bring David in for questioning, obviously. So they make up some BS about how they want to see the location of his phone just so that they can clear him. And they just do this so that they can get him to agree that he, they can have access to his phone. And he signs this form, gives them permission. And they were able to look at not only his location, but they also looked up his like deleted messages, photos, voicemails, etc. And so not only did they gather proof that David and Brad were in fact lovers, but they also got his GPS coordinates from the phone placing David Kinney at Brad's house at the time of the murder. I love when people know that they are at a crime scene, they have their cell phone with them, and then they say, oh my gosh, yes, check my location. That's exactly what I want you to do is have access to my cell phone. Not that I want anybody to get away with a crime, but ugh, that would be embarrassing to be caught like that. 
all this information, police start pressing David harder and harder. And they ask him what kind of relationship he'd had with Brad. He resists, but eventually he cracks and admits that they were lovers. He kind of acted like, well, you know, sometimes we, you know, we had sex a few times and he always tried, but he really kind of played it down. He did not admit that they were like super passionate in this serious relationship. And David was at his wits end with being the other man. So... He denies, denies, and then the officers start pressing about his location during the time of Brad's murder. He denies that too, deny, 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 but then he starts to slowly break down to police officers, and he said that, well, Brad had begun pressuring David about leaving Sherry, and Brad had pressured David before, but not like this, so then David and Brad were having an argument about it the day of Brad's death. David came to Brad's house and they got into a heated argument, according to David. Brad was yelling, he was raising his voice, and then he picked up a gun. Which, by the way, I love the police work that this officer did because, okay, so in the interview, David tells him, yeah, me and Brad, we're having this argument, we're raising our voices, and Brad picked up a gun. And so the officer makes David stand up and demonstrate what happened between the two men. The officer acted like he was Brad and David was himself. And David said that Brad was like getting in his face. He was open hand slapping him. And then Brad grabbed the gun. But David got into a struggle with Brad for the gun and shot Brad in the skull face to face. That's exactly why he made David stand up and give a demonstration because David was lying. The story in the play-by-play that David physically gave the police officer did not align with the trajectory of the bullet because for one, Brad was shot in the back of the head and for two, he was shot at a downward trajectory. So David did this because he was scared of Brad blowing up his life and I wonder if Brad even knew David was going to shoot him. David was charged and found guilty of aggravated murder and sentenced to life without parole plus three years. He made a very brief statement to the court saying, I would like to apologize to the McGarry family for all the hurt and pain I put you through. I didn't mean for any of this to happen and I wish I could take it all back. All the apologies in the world will never bring him back, but I want you to know how truly sorry I am for it all. Wow kill your best friend for being in love with you that's insane go check out the video of how hard David was mourning and acting like he couldn't believe his beloved best friend had been murdered seriously go check it out because it's like makes you sick that somebody could fake it like that okay guys thanks so much for tuning in and I'll talk to you next time bye